The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 198 An End, A New Beginning Simon Peter thought deeply about what had just taken place as he and the remaining ten disciples walked back to Jerusalem. They had just heard Jesus Christ's final instructions before ascending to heaven. Just after his resurrection, Jesus miraculously appeared to them in a room where they had gathered together. He had opened their minds to more fully understand the prophecies concerning him, their master, and about the work God had given him to do on this earth. Jesus Christ's suffering, death, and glorious resurrection signaled the end of his duties as a human being. Peter was thankful that he and the others had witnessed Jesus' work of declaring the Father and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. But there was more. His heart skipped a beat as he thought about it. The work of Christ was not over. Christ's final words came clearly again to his mind. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Unbelievable. It was exciting to know that the disciples had a work to do for their father. After Jesus was crucified, Peter had wondered what he would do next. He had thought that he might return to being a fisherman. But now his future was clear. Because the eleven disciples had witnessed all that Jesus had done, it was now their job to tell the world that the Messiah had come, was sacrificed to save all mankind from sin, and would return to set up the kingdom of God at some time in the future. What was most reassuring to Peter was that they would not be alone in their work. Jesus would remain their Lord and Master and lead and command them through the Holy Spirit from the third heaven. After revealing this news to them, Jesus had lifted his hands and blessed them to prepare them for the work ahead. Then Jesus departed from them and was carried into heaven. The apostles were so excited by this new revelation that they began to worship Christ as he was lifted up. They were so stunned by his disappearance in a cloud that they could not stop looking up at the sky. God sent two angels to tell them that Christ would return in the same way he had left them. However, he would only return when the Father decided it was time to do so. Peter and the ten were stirred up and anxious to start the new beginning of Christ's work on earth. Peter understood that they needed to get back to Jerusalem and prayerfully prepare to receive God's Holy Spirit. He led the way, and the other disciples followed. Each was filled with such great joy that it radiated from them like the sun at full strength. They went directly to the temple to bless and praise God their Father. 
Later that day, the eleven disciples, Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelots, and Judas, the brother of James, returned to the upper chamber in the house of one of Jesus' faithful disciples where they had been staying. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers and sisters came to be with them. They dedicated themselves to praying. They asked God to prepare them to receive the Holy Spirit and strengthen them to begin the work he wanted them to do. While praying for God's help, Peter understood that something important had to be done before the Holy Spirit would be given. For the work's future success, Judas Iscariot had to be replaced. Within a few days of Christ's departure, the entire body of 120 disciples were called together for a meeting. Peter stood up in the middle of the gathering. With a serious look on his face, he began to speak. Men and brethren, he said with a raised voice to get everyone's attention. The meeting room became very quiet. Peter looked around at the group. These were the faithful few who had stayed obedient to Christ and his teachings. It had been a rough seven weeks for them. The events that had taken place in their lives beginning with Passover had been emotionally racking, horrific, and gory, and then exhilarating, thankfully. Some had witnessed Jesus of Nazareth betrayed by Judas. He and John had witnessed his trial by the high priest and the Sanhedrin at Caiaphas' house. Others of them heard crowds of angry Jews, led by priests and religious leaders, cry out for Jesus' execution. Several saw what Jesus looked like after he was scourged and crucified by Pontius Pilate. A few women helped Joseph of Arimathea lay his dead and brutalized body into a tomb. When Christ had appeared to them after his resurrection, at first, they thought it was a spirit come to trouble them. They were fearful. Then they were thrilled once they realized it was Jesus resurrected. Now the Feast of Pentecost was near, and they were still waiting for Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus did not tell them exactly when the Holy Spirit would be given, but each one had the faith that it would come, and likely very soon. Peter began to explain why he had called this meeting. The scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit speaking through David prophesied about Judas, who betrayed Jesus Christ to the authorities. Judas had been chosen by Jesus to have a part in our work. Peter knew the scriptures well, especially since Jesus had given the disciples more understanding of the prophecies about himself before he returned to the Father in heaven. At the mention of Judas's name, Peter saw the disciples' faces darken with indignation. He understood their feelings. What Judas had done to Jesus was discouraging, shocking, and unjust. Most, including Jesus, considered him a friend. Yet the betrayal had been prophesied. Peter understood that any one of them 
could have been guilty of that heinous act. Sadly, Judas had succumbed to Satan's powerful influence and eventual possession. Peter grieved Judas's downfall, particularly because of his own great sin against Christ just before his crucifixion. Peter had denied Christ three times while his master was being interrogated at Caiaphas's palace. What heinous lies were Peter's denials? Though he had not believed he would ever do such a thing, it had happened, just as Jesus said it would on the night of the Passover supper. Peter had wept bitterly in repentance over his sin. He understood that Christ had forgiven him for his shocking error, yet he would long remember his tragic betrayal. But now, as their appointed leader on the earth, Peter and the disciples had to move forward. Peter continued his message, speaking about how Judas Iscariot had hung himself after returning the 30 pieces of silver to the priests who had paid him to betray Christ. This was not news to the disciples. Nearly all of Jerusalem knew Judas's suicide was a gory event. He went into a field and hung himself on a tree branch. At some point, either the branch or rope broke and he fell onto rocks with such force his intestines exploded out of him. The priest used Judas's 30 pieces of silver to purchase the field of his suicide and named it the Field of Blood or Asal Damah in Hebrew to bury strangers. What a tragedy. Peter pressed on. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his house become empty, may no one live in it, and it is also written, May someone else take his place of service, he said. So then someone must join us as a witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He must be one of the men who was with us during the whole time Jesus traveled about with us, starting from the time John preached his message of baptism until Jesus was taken up from us to heaven. Peter knew this was fulfilling a prophecy in Psalm 109, verse 8. The work they were about to begin needed to have 12 apostles. Jesus' final instructions on the Mount of Olives had informed Peter of the necessity of there being 12 men who had been with Christ from the beginning to start the new phase of God's work on earth. First, this would fulfill the prophecy that Jesus Christ had spoken to them only moments before his ascension. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power. You will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Peter understood that Jesus meant that there had to be 12 disciples to act as a jury. Their work of preaching the gospel worldwide would include their combined unanimous eyewitness account to confirm the truth that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. This would provide the proof that the truly repentant and obedient men and women entered the kingdom of God by a resurrection from the dead. Jesus was the first human born into the kingdom or family of God. 
this would be their main witness, a verdict of 12 about Christ. However, they would also confirm what Jesus taught and the miracles he performed. There was also another practical reason for needing 12 disciples. Peter would never forget the day Jesus explained that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, he was dumbfounded at the statement, as were the other disciples. Who then can be saved? They had asked. Christ had responded with a smile. This is impossible for human beings, but with God all things are possible. Peter had spoken up boldly, looking into Christ's eyes. We have left everything and followed you. What will we have? Christ had answered without hesitation. Truthfully, I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the world tomorrow, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Peter still became breathless thinking about that day. The twelve disciples would rule the twelve tribes of Israel under King David in the world to come. If there were only eleven disciples, one tribe would be without an apostle to lead them. Peter knew that there had to be twelve. As Peter looked over the gathering, he saw faces eager with anticipation about who would replace Judas. Peter called two men to come forward to stand with him. Joseph, who was called Basabas, with the surname Justus, and Matthias, these two leading men had been with Jesus from the beginning. The gathering grew silent, knowing a very serious decision was about to be made. Peter knew they must look to God and Christ to make this momentous decision. As he bowed his head to begin praying, everyone else did the same. Then with one mind, they prayed. Lord, you know the hearts of all people. Show us which of these two you have chosen to serve as an apostle in the place of Judas, who fell from his place because of sin. After praying, Peter knew lots should be cast so God could reveal his will. This practice had been established by God in Israel at the time of Moses. The lot showed that God had chosen Matthias. He would be the twelfth apostle. Everyone knew God had miraculously intervened for the fledgling group. Matthias was humbled that God had chosen him to replace Judas. Barsabas was thrilled that the band of twelve chosen disciples was complete again. Peter sensed that a deep wound had been healed. The tiny group could move forward. All that were present were filled with excitement. Before everyone departed, Peter reminded everyone to meet together on the weekly Sabbath and on the day of Pentecost, which was quickly approaching. While it was a challenge to get through the large crowds moving toward the temple, the 120 disciples of Jesus were excited to be back together for the day of Pentecost. It was a bright and beautiful spring day. 
the barley harvest was complete. Who would not want to celebrate God's blessings on all of the Jews gathered in Jerusalem? The Feast of Pentecost was a truly joyous festival for all of Israel. But this year, it was especially meaningful for the fledgling group that followed Jesus. The Holy Spirit Jesus promised had not yet been given. Could this be the day? According to Peter's directions, the 120 disciples had arranged to meet at a house with a large upper room located close to the temple area. At about nine in the morning, they were all sitting together, chatting about all the events of the last seven weeks and waiting for the apostles to discuss scriptures about Pentecost with them. Then it happened, suddenly. There was a sound of a rushing, mighty wind coming down from heaven into the house where they were sitting. The sound filled the room. Then, miraculously, small flames flickered over each one's head. All knew they were filled with God's Holy Spirit. Although they could not feel anything physically, they sensed a new cleanness of mind, intense joy, and a new boldness to speak out about God's wonderful works. Jesus' promise to them had been fulfilled. Immediately, it was apparent that this major prophesied event was not for them alone. Other devout Jews heard the rushing wind and were drawn to the house where the disciples were assembled. News of the event spread quickly through the crowds. A large number of Jews and Jewish converts visiting Jerusalem from outlying areas such as Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Asia, Libya, Egypt, and Rome rushed to see what was happening with the disciples. The mixed crowd was utterly astonished by what they witnessed. Even more, they marveled at what they heard. These people are Galileans! How is it then that all of us hear them in our own native languages? All hear them speak in our own language the great things of God. The people said to one another. The growing crowd became more perplexed and full of doubt. What does this mean? Some began to ask. Others grew agitated and started mocking the disciples, saying, These men are full of new wine. How quickly human beings make fun of things they don't understand. Sensing the growing confusion in the now huge crowd, Peter, standing up with the other eleven apostles, began to explain what a tremendous prophetic event was taking place before their very eyes. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, he said in a loud voice looking intently at the crowd. Listen to me and let me tell you what this means. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. Instead, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. The crowd grew silent. Peter had their undivided attention. God's chief apostle continued earnestly. This is what I will do in the last days, God says. 
I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will proclaim my message. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. Yes, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will proclaim my message. I will perform miracles in the sky above and wonders on the earth below. There will be blood, fire, and thick smoke. The sun will be darkened and the moon will turn red as blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then whoever calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. He recounted from memory. Being devout Jews, most in the crowd knew these scriptures very well. Many Hebrew scriptures pointed to future events. The crowd was amazed by Peter's association of the miraculous event they observed with the verses from the prophet Joel. Could they be part of the future becoming the present? Peter knew that he needed to explain more about Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit on men could not have taken place until Jesus was glorified. Listen to these words, fellow Israelites. He continued, Jesus of Nazareth was a man whose divine authority was clearly proved to you by all the miracles and wonders that God performed through him. You yourselves know this, for it happened here among you. In accordance with his own plan, God had already decided that Jesus would be handed over to you, and you killed him by letting sinful men crucify him. But God raised him from death, setting him free from its power, because it was impossible that death should hold him prisoner. Peter could tell that many in the crowd were thinking deeply about his words. Others seemed shocked that he had started to discuss Jesus of Nazareth. For David said about him, I saw the Lord before me at all times. He is near me and I will not be troubled. Peter continued, quoting a prophecy from David's Psalms. And so I am filled with gladness and my words are full of joy. And I will rest assured in hope because you will not abandon me in the world of the dead. You will not allow your faithful servant to rot in the grave. You have shown me the paths that lead to life and your presence will fill me with joy. Peter was eager to talk about this inspiring revelation because Christ had fully explained these verses to the apostles before he ascended into heaven. Peter understood he had been well prepared for this very moment. My friends, I must speak to you plainly about our famous ancestor, King David. He continued, he died and was buried, and his grave is here with us to this very day. Now it was time to explain astounding news about Jesus Christ. Peter cleared his throat. <clears throat> David, being a prophet and knowing God had sworn with an oath that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, 
And we are all witnesses. Peter was exhilarated. He and the other apostles were so honored to be witnesses to the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Then he told the crowd the most astounding fact about Jesus. Being exalted by the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this Spirit which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Eternal said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The crowd was stunned and moved deeply by what they heard. Many had tears flowing down their faces. Peter's words had pierced their very hearts. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? They cried out to Peter and the other apostles. With great joy and enthusiasm, Peter declared, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. Save yourselves from this wicked generation. Peter continued to teach additional important truths they needed to know in order to be baptized. The historian Luke tells us that as a result of Peter's sermon, about 3,000 people were baptized that very day. What a big success in growth. Jesus Christ said he would build his church. He did it in a breathtaking way in just one day. What an incredible new beginning for God's work on earth. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.